Hello, everybody. I'm Dwayne Mancini, and welcome to another episode of the Project MedTech Podcast. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. For more information on Project MedTech and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching MedTech Money on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. MedTech Money is an interview-style podcast focused on demystifying raising and investing capital for MedTech companies. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Galen Data. Galen Data is the cloud for medical device makers. The Galen Cloud provides a configurable platform for device-to-cloud connectivity that is compliant to FDA, HIPAA, and CE Mark standards. Built on 40-plus years of collective experience developing compliance systems in the medical device industry, the company's goal is to make medical device cloud connectivity available to all at a fraction of the cost while shaving months off the development timeline. In this episode, our guest Kelly Stanton at Qualio and I compare and contrast quality in the pharma industry versus device, her experience with startup companies, what it actually means to instill quality in your med tech company's culture, what Qualio does, why is quality so important, how to scale a quality system as your company grows, what aspects of your company quality will affect, and so much more. So without further ado, my discussion with Kelly Stanton. Okay, sweet. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Kelly, let's start with just a uh, introduction into um, who you are and uh, what you do. Sure, thank you. Um, so I'm Kelly Stanton. Uh, I'm our head of quality here at Qualio. Um, we're an EQMS software company doing, of course, software for the life sciences space. Um, but my professional background is in life sciences. So I've spent about half my career doing quality for pharmaceutical companies, the other half doing it for medical device. And then the last seven years or so doing quality systems in the small startup space. Um, I really like this space. It's fun. It's dynamic. And, um, you know, you're not really in a place where you need full-time QA help just yet. And, um, but you do need somebody who really understands, you know, what, is critical about um, what you're documenting from a quality perspective to support your um, regulatory approvals and your pathway to market. So, yeah, very cool. So, real quick, I um, I didn't realize you had spent time in in the pharmaceutical space. How does f- the the pharma space compare to the device space? I mean, in terms of you know similarities and and differences. It's, it's, it's interesting. It, it, there's a lot of overlap. I don't think people realize how much overlap there actually is as far as getting things to market. Um, and if you're talking about like a high risk or class three medical device, the pathway is actually almost the same because then you're doing clinical trial work. You've got to prove safety and efficacy in your products before you do your submission, which is what we're doing on the pharma side, right? Is, is proving safety and efficacy. And of course, everybody's very focused on what's going on in the clinical studies, but behind the scenes, what's happening from a development of your actual therapeutic perspective, you know, it's, it's the same thing. What, what do I need this drug to do? What evidence am I collecting that proves that it does what it, what I say, you know, from a label claim perspective, 
And then the CMC, the manufacturing, all of that side of things, um, you know, you're not in full-blown GMP manufacturing yet, so you're not going to have enough batches and data to really generate, you know, the the full-scale, you know, commercial validation work that you have to do when you get to your phase four NDA, you know, sort of activities. But, um, you know, from a device drug overlap perspective, they're doing the same thing on the med device side of things, right? You're, you're trying to, you've mm-hmm. got to prove that what you make works and you've got to do it in a way that's scalable. Um, and you can't keep changing things once you're in this, you know, it, you start studying in people um, as soon as you start changing anything, whether it's in your manufacturing or, oh, gee, let's change facilities, all those kinds of things. Um, you've got to make sure you're always maintaining that backward traceability to those original safety studies. And any changes you make along the way for manufacturability purposes cannot have an impact that might, you know, basically negate your safety studies. And so, um, and again, that's true in device as well. You know, if you're changing something late in the game from a manufacturability perspective, what work do you have to go back to and redo or demonstrate equivalence to, right? It's not enough to say, oh, yeah, we made this change. It's no big deal. Like, you've got to document all of these things. So that's where, of course, quality yeah. systems comes into play. Yeah, very cool. And so after you left the farm industry, you went into device. Did you go and work for a manufacturer or or a startup, a large company? What was that like? Um, so when I switched over to med device, um, I went to work for uh, Cochlear, which is a uh, oh yeah yeah the, a large manufacturer. Um, it was U.S. distribution um, site. Their yeah. manufacturing facilities are they've got one in Europe and one in Australia, depending on which product line they're talking about. So so quality systems from a distribution perspective was um, a little bit different, but of course you're still dealing heavily with like, you know, problems that occur in the product and in the field. And I was over, you know, I was a quality engineer. So I was involved in, you know, investigating problems that happen and communicating those things with the manufacturers. And then uh, here in the U.S., we were doing a lot of expanded indication studies. So we had a very mm-hmm. large, very active clinical studies group, which, of course, QA also gets involved in because you've got to make sure everything's, you know, meeting all the requirements from a documentation perspective and, uh, yeah, so Cochlear, and then um, from, let's see, also a company called Spectronetics, which is in um, uh, class three uh, cardiac device space. So um, got to learn a lot, you know, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then same same story, right? We're we are commercial, our products are all commercial, but your um, time in the clinical space is always around expanded indications or new you know, again, so in that class three, if you change something in the product, now you've got to go back through and prove that it's safe again. Um, and then, <clears throat> geez, from there, from there, then off into the startup space. So doing some orthopedic okay. devices and, and some uh, anti-infectives and um, but cool. been been around the block a little bit, seen a few yeah. things. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get to Qualio, um, tell me about when we think of uh, quality management systems or quality in general um, with with medtech startups, you know, we, we we talked about it. Actually, we had Robert Fenton, the CEO of Qualio, on our um, panel at our Houston um, startup symposium in Texas. Uh, this would have been the beginning of October. We talked about how quality really needs to be a 
culture within a startup company, right? And so, but but then there's the logical startup companies are like, okay, well, when do I have to think about a QMS, right? So we, we talk about that and we'll get to that. Um, but generally when startups think about quality, they're thinking about manufacturing and, and making the product. I'd love to hear your perspective on quality in the clinical trial setting, because we don't talk about that. Uh, so often, right? We think of clinical as clinical, right? You're doing a clinical study, but maybe talk about quality's role within within clinical trials um, for, sure. for for med tech companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, and, and that's a good. It it's funny because it is different a little bit in as far as your focus on where like the data is coming from and the handoffs as that data is coming your way, um, whether, you know, you're running the trial or you've outsourced to a contract research organization, you know, the, the integrity of that data at every step, there's a lot of uh, built-in checks into that whole process. But if we step back just a little bit, um, a clinical trial is a giant document control exercise. There's, it's all the pieces and parts You've got to have that traceability and integrity in all of this data you generate because ultimately all of this data then goes on to support the safety and e efficacy claims you're making about your product. And if you're doing that in a way that is not controlled um, because, you know, and again, in startup land, you're, you're often, you know, you're on a shoestring budget, you're trying to get there as fast as you can. Um, but that is absolutely not a place that you can cut corners from a quality perspective. Uh, because again, you know, that a lot of things stall out in phase two, unfortunately, it's where a lot of organizations, you know, they'll get all the way, they get through safety, everything's looking good. They get to efficacy, things start, you know, looking maybe a little, maybe not good. Do we change our inclusion exclusion criteria? Do we like, what updates do we make to keep this thing moving? And if you don't have really good traceability and you haven't documented well, your rationale and your thought process behind things as you change them, um, then it becomes very difficult to use that data in a submission later because it's like, oh, well, we need this change, you know, so that's, again, a document control exercise. Here's what it was. Here's what it's going to be. Who's here approved it. Here's why this is okay. Um, and here's where we've thought about, you know, the impact of this change throughout either the trial or throughout, you know, again, I mean, the, the GMP side of things that relates to um, the manufacturing of these products you're studying, uh, that really gets to be quite huge in a hurry. And so the mm -hmm. culture of quality, um, you know, it, it's funny because I think, I, I think a lot of us, we love the idea of it, but we don't really like, what does that actually look like? You know, it's, it's, um, it's a difficult thing to measure, but the, um, the ramifications when it's not a good culture are quite obvious, right? So a lot of rework, a lot of can't find the document, a lot of why did we make that decision? I don't know. Nobody wrote it down, right? Like that's, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, that kind of stuff can, can be, can bite you later. And it's, it's fascinating to me too. I mean, people feel like, well, we don't want to take the time to do that right now. Like, okay, well, you're going to have to do it before you like, before you get inspected by the regulatory authorities who are coming in to, to see that you've done everything according to your plans. Right. So either take a little bit of time to do it now so that you can speed up later or wait and don't do it. And then it's a much bigger, more difficult change to make later. 
to bring in a quality system to really try to get things under control because people are used to doing things the way that they're used to, you know, change management is, I mean, there's a whole profession out there for change management, right? Because change is hard. And especially when you're in the startup space, you're dealing with usually innovators, researchers, not folks who are used to operating under, um, you know, controls in place, right? That's, that's the whole nature of inventions and research and all those kinds of things. But if you're not taking the time to do it right the first time, you will redo it later. It will bite you later. You will get asked about it and it will slow you down because if you can't produce it when you were asked for it by the regulators later, you're going to have to stop. That stops your um, approval clock too, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you throw your submission at the agency, they've got 90 or 180 days, whatever their timelines are uh, to, um, to get through your, submission and get your approval and every time they have to stop and ask you more questions the clock stops and that's just mm -hmm. delays so if you've done it well up front and you've had a quality mindset as you're going through that whole process uh things really do go a lot smoother later <laughs> they really do yeah yeah no i i i, I love that you know i think <clears throat> the clinical trial one makes total sense um because that is a cost uh, what, what I find startups sometimes struggle with is like, they're like, well, I don't, I can't put a cost down for if I have to go back and remanufacture something or, or, or something along those lines. But with the clinical trial, I could tell you that you are wasting a million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars, right? Assuming you don't do this in, 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 in a proper way. So um, uh, that's, that is a very easy thing to show a startup of this is why quality is really important at an early stage. Um, yep. Okay. So I, I know we're, we're still just working our way through <laughs> your background, but some of these great conversations and, and, and questions came up as you were going through. So, so you're currently at Qualio. What do you do for Qualio? What is Qualio, right? I mean, I know it's an EQMS, but maybe just for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar, uh, uh, give a quick background on, on, on Qualio and, and what you currently do for them. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, Qualio is an EQMS software tool. So it's electronic quality management system software. Um, and it is purpose built for the life sciences industry to do all these things you need to do um, with the guardrails of like 21 CFR part 11 compliance built in, right? So that's one of the things I get asked a lot by folks at startup, why can't I just do this in SharePoint? I'm like, well, because SharePoint doesn't have part 11 compliance signatures. SharePoint's not like you've got to build a lot of manual processes around your documentation in order to be compliant with part 11 alone um, to manage your documentation. And then you can't do things like, so in the startup space, if you're in the med device side, you know, maybe you don't need complaint handling yet, for example, but complaint handling processes um, can be done in Qualio and it's all there for you when you get there. But in the early stages, maybe you're just using like non-conformance processes because as soon as you start operating under design controls, now you need dot control training, you need your supplier management in place, you need um, uh, change control around the documentation that you're generating because uh, I, I can't remember where I read it because I would love to give this guy credit for saying it, but at the point you're no longer writing in pencil, you're ready to start writing in pen. Right. Because when you you've got to write in pen to submit to the FDA, you can't submit pencil. Right. 
that's that's when you're ready for a quality system tool and that's when you're operating under design controls on the med device side and again on the pharma side of things very similar i actually wish pharma would adopt some of the principles of design control i feel like it would streamline their lives a lot <laughs> um having done it in both <laughs> pharma and device yeah, right um, i know pharma right. people don't always like to hear that but the reality is that design control gives you a very good solid structured way to make sure that you have checked all the boxes that you're going through to get there and 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 get you know again your product proving it's safe and effective every time so uh qualio does all of those things as a software tool i came here about three and a half years ago as a full-time employee i actually was a customer first so i think you know i was talking about doing quality oh, systems cool in the startup space, I had two device companies and a drug company that I was doing part-time QA across all three of them. And I needed a I needed a software tool. I needed a way to do it that was quick and easy. So found Qualio um, and that kind of grew into, you know, a bit of an advisory relationship because, uh, you know, as very vocal customer, lots of feedback and um, spent mm -hmm. a good bit of time chit-chatting with Rob Fenton on the phone. <laughs> Yeah. Early, early along the way, and then um, had an opportunity to join full time three and a half years ago, and uh, came on board and been here ever since. So, what do I do while I'm here? Cool. Well, we have um, we're ISO certified ourselves, so we're nine thousand one and twenty seven thousand one certified, and um, so myself and my team. I have a team now. Uh, we've grown that much, and. Um, we manage our own internal compliance activities. And from that perspective, it helps, again, build trust with our customer base. We really do know what you're doing because we do it too. And, um, mm -hmm. and then I help with um, marketing stuff. You know, I host our podcast and uh, that's a lot of fun. I cool. love talking to, to different people about, you know, what they do from a, you know, startup innovator sort of perspective. And then, um, yeah we generate a lot of our own, we, we help our customers with the validation side of the software. And, um, and so okay. I help the product management and the engineering teams with, uh, with that documentation so that again, we speak, you know, they're software guys. So they speak SAS and I'm an industry person and I kind of sit in the middle and I know how to translate. <laughs> so cool. I do a lot of translation. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, the podcast what's the podcast called where can it be found what's the 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 kind of thesis behind it what are you covering what are you talking about on there sure so our podcast is called from lab to launch and uh, we're on apple and uh, spotify uh, as well as cool. our you know our website of course and um, right. we talk with innovators in life sciences so sometimes it's the innovator themselves. Sometimes it's someone, you know, on, you know, like the CEO or, or that sort of thing. And um, some of them are customers, some of them aren't, some of them are just startups. But we love hearing about people's journeys through navigating um, entrepreneurship, you know, the innovation, the inventions of these products and these ideas. Um, man, it's just some absolutely amazing technology out there and these ideas that people have um, for ways to change the world, you know, and, and help other people. A lot of them have very personal stories that go with it. You know, I, I my mom is a two-time breast cancer survivor, for example, so I love hearing about innovations around wow. cancer treatments and detection and all of that kind of stuff. So 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's our, our podcast in a nutshell and, um, yeah, you should check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's some, there's yeah. some really cool innovations out there in the industry. Cool. Cool. Um, so uh, kudos to your mom. Uh, way to go. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so my my initial, when I was an undergraduate, my background's in medicinal chemistry. Okay. Um, my first real research project was funded by the Susan G. Coleman um, uh, Foundation for Breast Cancer. We were looking at um, a new detection method for triple negative breast cancer, which is a pretty um, elusive and aggressive mm-hmm. form of, of breast cancer. But um, so that's I, I, lo- I love hearing those stories. Anytime there's there's breast cancer survivors. Um, okay, so working with startups, we've we've actually sprinkled in a lot of great um, topics already. Um, but for startups out there and, and we kind of touched on it but i'd like to talk about it a little bit more um the the the, the topic of when do you think about a qms and and that sort of thing you, you've kind of sprinkled that in a little bit but I, i'd like to hear you know from your perspective you know when do you start thinking about it but then you also mentioned you know we talk about the idea of culture within or or, or quality within the culture of a startup company Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you actually do that, and and why do you, why do you care about that? Why is a startup, it, I guess help help if if for entrepreneurs listening out there, convince me of why quality is so important, and and why it touches so many aspects of of the company, and not just a QMS to check a box so you can get regulatory approval. Sure, sure. Well, it I mean it really is good business. Um, and that's kind of what it boils down to, uh, the, so many innovators, they're so dynamic. They have all these amazing ideas and those things are rolling around in their head all the time. Right. And so somewhere along the way they decide like, Hey, I think I'm going to take this idea and, and go forward. Um, and, and those guys are very, they're also very attached to these ideas. It's their baby. Right. And so. Um, there's things rolling around in their head about this idea that, that they take for granted. Um, and as soon as you start handing the idea off to someone else, cause you, you have to, right. Cause you've got to get through figuring out how to make the thing, figuring out how to test the thing, all of that. Um, you've got to start writing things down. You've got to extract all of that knowledge and get it into, um, documentation that can help people move the whole project forward. And as you know, again, I, I come back to SharePoint because SharePoint's free, right? It comes with, you know, you're starting from scratch with your, with your company, you need email, right? So we, what do we do? We go subscribe office 365. Here you go. It comes with SharePoint, right? I've seen a lot of startups operate in Google drive, same story, right? Gives you all the word processing dot in, you know, powerful tools that you need to get started. Um, but again, that early in the, in the game, what you're after is just writing all these things down, just get them out of my head, get them into a document, um, and then get your team of smart people who've done this before, right? So the consultants come into the game, the contract manufacturing orgs, the contract research organizations, all of these things. And all of a sudden the project's going to get, going to get really busy, right? It's going to get really crazy. And there's, there's a lot of moving parts. And so one of the challenges I see a lot is um, how do you keep track of all those 
moving parts? How do you manage all of those things? And how do you do it in a way that gives you the ability to have those older versions of documents or here's what we were thinking we had to change it. And, and so we did and we keep going, but you know, again, if you just ask an innovator or an engineer to do it, they're like, Oh yeah, sure. I got this. I'll go tweak this, you know, click, 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 make this work. We don't know why that works or didn't work because they didn't run anything down or test it. Right. So, so all of these kinds of challenges is where the, um, the regulations come into play from a, have a documented process like design control or, you know, again, drug development, IND, CMC, all of those things on, on the drug side of the fence and getting all of that documentation captured in a way that preserves it, protects it. And you can see when things change and why. So all of that kind of helps march you forward uh, from an organization perspective. And again, even in the startup space, you know, just because you're, you know, the, the regulations apply from band-aids to pacemakers. There's no exceptions in between that. Right. And, and so I think, um, you know, if, if we keep the end in mind of, I've got to prove this is safe and effective. My, my mom might use this product. My grandmother might use this product, right? What things then are important to write down and keep um, in your systems as you go forward? So with all of that being said, what do I say to startups? Um, you need a good solid tool as early as possible so that you can capture all of these things. Yes, it's an investment, but it will benefit you later for when you go to do your submission, all your documentation is there. It's all current. It's all approved. There's a lot less scrambling that happens when you get ready to put a submission together. If you have your document control processes well in hand. Um, the other thing that, that people don't think about that's a huge benefit from a business perspective is usually in the startup space, you're either trying to obtain more investors or you're trying to get acquired whether it's a licensing agreement or purchase, right? And a lot of, on the drug side, we see this, right? Their goal is we're going to get into or through phase two, and then we're going to sell this. That's their goal. So as you are going through due diligence in these investor and um, acquisition scenarios, having a QMS is a huge demonstration of your commitments to the product and, and doing things right. And, and keeping that bigger goal in mind. And so I've seen um, places where, you know, again, doing, you know, trying to stage things for a due diligence um, perspective, and it goes a lot smoother when you've got a good solid quality system in place where everybody has, you know, like, yeah, we're trained, here it is. Oh, you wanna see what suppliers we're using? You know, click, poof, here they are, they're right here in my tool. What, how are they qualified? Okay, well, you know, my, my criticals, we've audited them. We understand what they're doing from a quality system perspective, right? You've got all of these things in, in place and in, it just helps so much from that due diligence perspective to demonstrate that you really do know what you're doing and you're a lot more attractive to acquisition or investment because they know you're not going to have to redo everything later. A lot of people jam products. I see it more on the device side. Obviously we can't do it with drug, but on device, you know, they're trying to cram it through the process and get that approval as quickly as possible. We'll worry about the documentation later. And if you're doing that under FDA, it's possible actually to do that because the FDA doesn't come check your quality system before they give you your license. 
Now, if you're following ISO, um, you have to have your quality system in order to do your technical files. So you will have these things in place a lot sooner on, under ISO. And I think that's something maybe startup, they don't always recognize like, oh yeah, we're gonna do US and we're gonna do Europe. Okay, cool. You're gonna do Europe, you have to do ISO, you're gonna have to have a complete quality system. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, you have to have that in yeah. order to get your license to market your product. You can't get a CE mark without it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, Kelly, you just, you just covered almost the entire panel discussion we had on quality and in Houston, it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, that's, that was, we talked about so much of that. We brought up the theme of, Hey, if you're, you know, would you think of the, your product if a family member was going to use it? Right. I mean, are you that confident in it that you would let a family member use your product? And, um, you know, that, that used to be our, our, uh, kind of litmus test when we were at, uh, when I was at a few different CROs, cause we'd get people who were like, Hey, I want to do a, my first in, in human study. And they, they talk about where they want to do it. And I'd be like, okay, well, like, what's your rationale for wanting to do it there? And it can't just be because you don't need as much biocompatibility, right? Like that's not a, it's not a, it's not a great excuse, <laughs> you know, but there are entrepreneurs out there who's, who say those things. Um, the acquisition piece is great. Um, but, but I, I, I loved everything you covered there. So, um, for, for startups, what are some of those common pitfalls that they, um, fall victim to with QMS or quality in general? Quality in general. Um, well, I think probably one of the biggest ones I see is there does need to be a balance um in the detail the level of documentation and you should think about risk as you're thinking about that and and so where where i'm going with this is that i they, i often see qa people um who've been you know i was the vp of quality at pfizer okay cool that's awesome and they come over to the startup space and they're used to having quality systems built um for large organizations that have armies of people to do all the things right and so you've got to shift your brain if you're going to do quality in the startup space and you've got to you've got to be um you've got to be comfortable operating in shades of gray you've got to be comfortable scaling it to where you are and what's appropriate um you know and and make sure that the things you document are actually critical to the process you know and so this is where what does that balance look like, Kelly, right? Because I get that all the time. Like, you need to write everything down and you need to be thorough about it, but don't write too much down and don't go too, too detailed, right? Like, there is there is still a balance there that's appropriate to the startup space. It is not, you know, blue sky, we have millions of dollars and a whole army of people to do these things. What really actually is critical about your processes and your product? That's what you need to focus on. And things that are not that critical either can be left for later or in some cases not done at all. Maybe you scale it back or maybe we go, you know, we'll worry about this piece when we get out further. We're not going to worry about that piece right now. Complaint handling process, right? There you go, right? We can have a complete quality system with a skeleton of a complaint process. We don't need to get into documenting all of those things until we get there, right? That's random example of places you can scale yeah. back, you know, and, and yeah. 
classification of your devices and how you're generating that document and such too, right? Like I see a lot of folks sort of, I see it most often in the supplier management programs where mm. they've thought of something as, you know, this is really critical to our process. We're going to make it a critical supplier. And you go, wait a minute. Does it actually have any impact on product quality, direct impact, not indirect, direct, direct impact on product quality, patient safety, or data integrity? And if the answer is no to those things, then you need to move on, right? And it's not to say that you don't do some level of documentation around it. Maybe you document the rationale. Look, this is, this is a secondary process. This is not critical to our primary process. Um, mm -hmm. and again, I realize I'm speaking a little bit theoretically here. It's hard to come up with examples like this without getting into gobs of detail, but, um, yeah. making sure that you're applying that approach to everything that you decide to do. And especially as a quality professional, that can be really hard, right? Because we're used to thinking about it always from every, you know, dotted I and cross T and, and they've all got to be absolutely perfect. Um, no matter how far back or removed from the actual product it is. And the answer, the reality is no, they don't. Like there can be some wiggle room in places. You've got to make sure the stuff about your product is, that's where the, the focus should be. And so mm -hmm. the ability to scale your brain as a quality professional is is hard. And it's even harder if you've never been in startup or you've never been in a system where, you've had some flexibility to base things on risk and think about it from that risk-based perspective. Yeah. The, the prioritization piece that you brought up is, uh, generally like that's, that's so spot on for with what we see with our startup companies. It's not that they can't, um, prioritize that's that's what they struggle with the most actually is prioritization, but they yeah. do it. The problem is they do it in like a, a linear fashion and they, for a startup company, they like almost like silo things, right? And mm -hmm. that's that's always the issue is um, not pulling together the proper voices and to run one room to make decisions. I mean, we work with startups all the time on how much all of these other areas overlap with each other, um, mm -hmm. and 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 not understanding that. And so so that's always the biggest issue is getting all the voices in the room to help prioritize certain things because then you'll start to find out that, hey, maybe you don't need to do these things in quality, but but this is the most important because it overlaps with regulatory, with commercialization and all the other things you have to do. Um, so uh, your, your point there is well taken, especially just with, with all the startups we're working with, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, is, is there anything else that you really wanted to, to, to hit on from the quality side? We covered a lot. Um, and, and the clinical piece was a nice surprise because, um, we haven't talked about that yet on the podcast. So I really enjoyed that piece, but, um, outside of that, is there anything else that you were, you were itching to get out for, for some of these med tech startups? Um, no, I think, like I said, I, I mean, just keeping that end in mind and mm -hmm. realizing that, you know, it's okay if it takes a little bit longer up front because it really will, you know, smooth things over later. Um, you know, if you try to take any shortcuts now, I, I 
I can't think of a single situation I've been in, and, and there's been a lot over the years where, you know, yep. oh, let's document this later, or, oh, let's do this test later, or oh, let's go ahead and do this submission, but we'll just, we'll wait for them to ask for these tests. And, you know, it's kind of like this wait and see what we can get away with approach. And I just have never seen that work. I've never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you know? yeah, Kelly. Kelly, it's a it's a great point here. Um, a lot of people focus on time, right? Oh, I, I just need to reduce time. I need to reduce time. This time, that's fine, right? You do want to do that within reason, because yeah. running, uh, uh, commercializing, and running a successful med tech startup company is like running a marathon, except you only get one shot. Right, you don't get to you don't get to do this and then go. Oh, maybe I can improve my time next time. That's that's not it. This is one race, yeah. and so uh, reducing your time to prepare is is really important. But I'd rather have a company that is really really prepared to run that race than one that does it in. 10 months versus 20 months. Like, I'm not worried about yeah. that, right? Um, so I think your point there is well taken is do the right steps, try to reduce your time, but as long as you're checking all those boxes and, and preparing properly because um, you hate to get in the middle of the race and, <laughs> and yeah. realize you weren't prepared for mile, you know, 12 through 15 because it's all uphill or whatever it is, right, this comparison. So, yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. Gee, let's stop and change shoes now. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, like, right, right, totally right. Totally yeah, yeah, I love it. Awesome, awesome, Kelly. So listen, I will include a link to um, your LinkedIn and Qualio's website in the show notes so people listening in can look up or down an inch depending on the platform they're listening on and, and you'll get to see that. Um, but but Kelly, thanks so much for doing this. Um, it, you, you, you shared a lot of great advice in 35 minutes. Um, so I, I really appreciate it. Uh, hang on for one minute. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at Thanks for listening and have a great day.